Hello, hello everyone, welcome back to Blabla Energy with Grace, the podcast that brings you into the shoes of talented entrepreneurs, artists and innovators. In today's episode, we are going straight into the shoes of Carmen, a hardworking designer who owns a sustainable brand. We talked about fast fashion and its detrimental effect on society and the need for more sustainable brands. Let's step into her ethical world. So yeah, I created Six Pins in Ocean in order to bring people into the adventures of other people in order to get inspired. For instance, your brand is sustainable. So I was mm-hmm. very, very interested to know a bit more about it because it is something that really interests me. And I saw different artists here and there, but I wanted to know more about the whole creation because I know it's something very difficult to be sustainable. And then yeah. I was actually just talking to one of my friends about this. Um, it's so starting off in the whole like fashion world, um, I always just kind of like made my own clothes for myself. And I never really thought about the whole like sustainable part of it until recently. Um, so like a little bit about my background, I started sewing when I was 15. So at this point, it's half my life because I am 30. Um, And I just loved it. I don't really know why. I just always like in my free time, I just always wanted to sew. And my dad got me a sewing machine um, and I was just self-taught. Like I didn't know that you needed to use patterns. I didn't know like any of the technical stuff about sewing. I just would make what I wanted to. Um, And then going into schooling, I went to VCU School of the Arts, which is in the United States in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, and I learned like the business side of everything. So it was called fashion merchandising. Um, And we like in school, we kind of touched on the sustainable part, but I, I mean, this was back in, God, I feel so old saying all this, but this was back in 2009 to 2013. And I mean, we just really weren't taught that much about like recycling, at least in the United States or about, you know, the damages of the fashion industry on the environment as much as, you know, it's very well known now, but that was back when Instagram was pretty much just starting. And so it was really kind of a different time when I was learning about fashion but we did touch on you know a couple of the facts about the the damages that the fashion industry has on the world because you can't I mean you can't ignore that it's what the number two most damaging business in the entire world so but I mean with that being said I I really didn't know too much about it and so going forward um I worked in fast fashion actually for five years Ooh. and so about the background. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the consumption and everything. Yeah. So I, I worked in fast fashion. I worked at H and M, you know, very oh. well-known brands. And I mean, I don't want to throw H and M under the bus, but I kind of have to, um, working there. It was great. I loved the people I worked with, you know, um, that was probably the most fun is all the different personalities. But once you really get into like 
what's behind H&M. It's just a lot of waste. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to put it, but just across the board from, I worked in the store until I started working outside of the store and we, um, I helped with a lot of store openings and I was traveling around a lot and, you know, they didn't really care how much money they spent. Like they spent so, so, so much money on just my flights. Like I would go from Virginia to New York and back in a day just for a meeting. But they're making billions. They're making billions. So they're making billions. So they don't care about this one little girl who is, you know, traveling all over for their stores. Like, and I was one out of thousands. And so just the waste from that side, not to mention the pollution of just me going on a flight up to New York. Again, I didn't really think too heavily into it. I thought it was cool at the time. Like, oh, cool, I get to fly up to New York. Exactly. But, and then like you go back to the other side though of just the production, which them being a really large company, they don't talk about. Um, when you first, when you first get hired, they kind of touch very briefly on the fact that oh, you know, we check in at our factories, you know, often. And then they never really talk about it again. And I remember thinking from time to time, like, I wonder who actually goes, like, is there a job for someone to go in and check on the factories and do like a quality control check? And I mean, I never asked and I, I but I remember thinking it and then they would come out with these sustainable lines where it was like made out of sustainable fabrics. But again, it's being mass produced in factories and what's actually happening in these factories. And in the end, I left H&M because corporate life in general just was not for me. I did not enjoy following everybody else's rules to make them money when I really didn't get anything out of it. Um, especially towards the end, it's like you go up the corporate ladder and it's all management and I'm way more of a creative person. And so I just, it, it wasn't a good fit for me. Um, but I definitely working there, I got pulled into the whole like fast fashion shopping and then, you know, Zara and all of that stuff. And it's so hard when it's all in front of your face and like the marketing is so pretty and these beautiful models are wearing this dress. Like, oh yeah, I want to look like that model. Let me buy this. So I'm actually really glad that I worked in it and that I kind of got sucked into it so that now I'm on the other side and like, you know, yeah, I like, I know what these people are shopping. Like, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you can never buy fast fashion. Like you always have to be sustainable because that's, I mean, that's not realistic, but if you buy less then great. Um, I'm very like, I don't judge anybody else for, you know, what they do. Um, but small they kind step. Of, they kind of trick people with the, you know, sales and everything. So people think they are, we are having sales and okay, I have to buy it now. And on, yeah. on the website as well, you can see that. Okay. You have like a 40% sale today and tomorrow it's like 50%. But on that day, yeah. they said it will end today. So there's a lot of like strategies they use that people may not, okay, understand where they're coming from but it's yeah. like in order to track you and i, I yeah. think 
I just saw something. It's like, if you don't like the product, you can send it back. You don't have to even pay for it. Yeah, that's the whole thing with, I don't know a lot about Shein. I've heard a lot about it. Um, I know know a lot of influencers and stuff um, get, do like Shein hauls where they get stuff and the stuff that they don't want, they just send it back. And it's like, I mean, there's, there's so many things other than just fast fashion that go into the like, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, Instagram, number one, (laughs) is just a really, like, it's great to get brands out there and, or it used to be anyways, now they've kind of changed things up, but the whole influencer thing as a career is just really, in my opinion, fucked up. I mean, great if you can make money off of it, but it's, it's a dream for these huge companies for advertising things and making people, you know, it's like, instead of print ads, you have these influencers mm-hmm. and it's just warping the minds of like young people. And of course they want to be famous for whatever reason. I would never want to be a celebrity, but you know, most people do, they think it's cool. And they think, Oh, if I buy what she's buying, then like, I can be cool too, or what he's buying. So, I mean, a, a lot of companies have definitely cashed in on the whole influencer thing. So you have that you have just the fast fashion industry in general with their crazy low prices because they just make everything in bulk. And my whole fight with the sustainability thing, like there's a lot of different ways you could go, you know, there's like, Oh, less plastic, uh, like no packaging, uh, just printing on your own fabrics, whatever. The thing I chose to do was to use fabrics that already exist the number one most sustainable thing you can do is obviously shop from your own closet. But I feel like the second thing is to shop secondhand. And I used to always go to like a Goodwill. Goodwill is like uh, in America, like the main, yeah, like the main secondhand store here in Spain, we have one called Umana, which is similar. And I used to go in there and get things and then kind of like alter them to like fit more my style. And that's how I kind of started out. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to like change these pieces. And once I started getting into Instagram and selling them, I realized that it was, you know, way bigger than just me, obviously. And it's called upcycling instead of recycling. So I thought that was cool. And then like the more I went, the more I changed a little bit. And I've kind of like gotten into my groove of using different fabrics like, um, curtains, tablecloths, that kind of thing. Because for me, I noticed that a lot of like the bedding and the tablecloths and the curtains, they just kind of sit there. Like people don't necessarily go to secondhand shops to buy that kind of stuff. Whereas they buy a lot of clothing. So I would prefer to take the things that people don't usually buy. And so that they can, you know, they can buy the clothing and then I can make different stuff out of like curtains. And also curtains have a lot more fabric. And I don't have to deal with like cutting up seams and all that stuff. So it's easier for me. And it's just what I prefer. It goes along with my general aesthetic. Um, And so now I just do made to order. And I have a big pickle with the industrial revolution. I I like blame everything on that. (laughs) I mean, it was great for efficiency, but 
once we started mass producing things is like when things really went downhill in my opinion and you know it's hard to please everybody when i first started trying to make clothing i had a really hard time trying to like sell to the masses because i thought that's what i had to do and this was right after i stopped working at h&m like Spooky, relax. How old is Spooky? She's seven. <laughs> I think my I think my boyfriend's coming home. She's um, but no, I had a I had a problem like trying to be like, oh, okay, I have to sell stuff that like a lot of people are gonna want. And now you know I do like made to order, but I feel like that's seeing how h&m worked i thought that that's how like you have if you want to make you know good money quick you have to make things that everyone's gonna want but it's really hard to do that because everyone has different styles everyone looks good in different silhouettes like everyone's a different size and fast fashion can only do that because they make so many pieces and they know that they're going to lose like 30 to 40 percent of it i mean i don't know the actual statistics but they know they're not going to sell everything they know they're gonna sorry they're doing like collections like within like a a snap of like each each week i think there's a new collection on h&m or on yeah we used to every two weeks we would change the window which meant that we were getting new product in every two weeks and that's just i mean why (laughs) like yeah it's it's overproduction it's just and it it also I mean it also kind of goes back to the whole Instagram thing and then people not wanting to be an outfit repeater which is just insane like back in the day you would go I swear to god in like the Victorian ages I was like the town seamstress and like I just made everybody's dresses like I feel like that's what I used to do but that's what you would do. You would go to the store in town and you would pick out the fabric and they would make a dress for you. And that was your dress for years. And what's wrong with that? Like, why do you, why do people feel the need that they have to continually be wearing something new? Like, I just, I don't know where that came from. Um, Instagram. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like, who said that that was bad to wear the same thing in pictures? Like, I really, I'm kind of confused as to where that came from, but you know, it's been in many statistics that people, I want to say like 80% of people will not wear something that they've already been seen in a picture of. So if it's out there in a picture and someone's seen me wear it, they don't want to wear it again. And that's just, I can't really wrap my head around that, but you know, I mean, that's society's pushes on things. I don't, I don't know. So that's also an issue. Um, I recently actually saw this video that someone sent me of all the secondhand stuff that doesn't get sold and them sending it to you know more third world countries for them to sell or wear or whatever and they even have so much stuff that they can't sell it all and it ends up just being in these huge landfills and like it's a huge issue in third world countries because they get all these unwanted clothing that people have discarded because they wore once and it just fills their lands. Like they don't know what to do with it. It just gets dropped off on them. And it's just, it, there shouldn't be that much stuff on the planet in the first place. And 
it's not going to biodegrade because half of it's made with, you know, man-made materials that have plastics in them. So, I mean, I don't know, like the perfect solution to end, end fast fashion or end, uh, or to try to, you know, help the environment with this situation. It's just buy less. I mean, there's already way too much and people are going to keep buying, but if you could just buy a little less, that would help. But how do you and think we can change like the mindset of people? Because it's difficult with the Instagram world that we are nowadays. It's like, as you said, it's like, I have to have like a new outfit each and every day, every week. So yeah. what do you think we can do in order to maybe change that mindset? Because what I think is happening nowadays when people hear about sustainable brand, they say, okay, it's secondhand, it's cheap. And people are not ready to put in the price, which is sad because for instance, yeah. Mami Mami, It's like a very nice brand. It looks very high-end in its simplicity. But I think a lot of people are on that, you know, defensive mode uh, about sustainable brand. What do you think we can do? And what's the reason you think they are like reluctant? I think that, you know, Instagram is kind of a tool that people use to promote fast fashion, but I don't see why it can't be turned around the other way. Like, you know, people listen to influencers and people listen to celebrities. And I think if we got more of those people on board, then it could be like a whole different story. Like recently, Billie Eilish, the singer, um, was at the Met Gala and she wore like the Oscar de la Renta dress yeah. and the only way that she was going to wear that was if they agreed to stop using fur in all of their collections yeah. and so they did it but it's like we need more people like that who are willing to advertise for these kinds of things like these movements because sustainable fashion the fashion industry in general like people are scared of it I'm scared of a lot of influencers. Like I would never go up to them. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I don't know why, but it just has this kind of like scary, like feeling about it. And I also think then when you put sustainable on top of it, people just think it's like bougie and that it's not for them. And it's, oh, it's going to be too much money and like blah, blah, blah. But it's really not and I've heard so many people say that oh sustainable fashion is only for people with means you know it's not for like the people who are living below the middle class and that is just complete bullshit and it really makes me mad when people say that because the most sustainable thing is buying secondhand clothing what like how is that expensive how is that for people who for only rich people like it just it doesn't really make sense to me and you know, if you really don't have a lot of money, let's say you have a $50 budget for shopping, you're going to go to like a pre-mark or an H&M and you're going to buy, I don't know, 10 pieces. No, not even 10 pieces. You're going to buy five pieces and then you're going to have to replace the majority of them in a year. Or you could take that $50 and invest it in something yeah. that's going to last you for 10 years. So it's also just changing the mindset of like, oh, I have to have like all these pieces is going to be more outfits. So that's better than just buying the one staple piece. So, I mean, on that, I don't really know how to change people's mindsets. Um, that's a really hard thing to do, but with everything 
out there on the internet these days and everything is available to everyone in different countries, I really think that the most effective way would just be knowledge and like more education on, first of all, global warming, <laughs> because I don't know what they're teaching in the United States anymore, but they didn't really teach us that much about anything, hardly even about recycling. So first and foremost is just education on the crisis that's happening. And then I really think that like getting more celebrities and all that stuff, influencers, if you want to consider them celebrities, um, to advertise for those kinds of things is, would be very helpful. I could never, my brand could never pay for an influencer to do that for me. So it would have to be, it would have to be, you know, the bigger brands that are actually doing something, but then you get into greenwashing and it's like, it's, it's all very confusing because it's all very new. Like, you know, I feel like when people started getting more interested in eating organic food, people just started slapping organic stickers on things that weren't organic. And, you know, now I feel like there's more rules and regulations and, you know, it's a little bit more transparent, but at the beginning, I mean, to go on a little tangent, my dad in the seventies was in California and was helping uh, his friend who had a, an avocado farm and they were taking all the avocados to the grocery store. These were not organically grown avocados yet he had a bunch of stickers and they were literally just slapping them on the avocados in the van so that they could raise the prices that was back in the 70s but I mean it's kind of like who can you trust Mm -mm. with these especially with these big brands who just start shouting sustainability made with like all organic materials like biodegradable it's like how do you it's really hard for customers to wrap their head around it And so I think the easiest thing for people to do is just be like, oh, well, if that person kind of knows about sustainability and they're wearing it, I'm sure it's fine. But like without actually doing the research. And I I think it's really just such a new, I mean, buying second is not new, but you know, the whole sustainable fashion is such, it's such a new concept for people that it's a bit overwhelming. And I, I get that. Um, but I think it's built to brand like those. It's like, even though you said you're like a small company, you know, it's, it touched one people and it's like a ripple effect, but it has to start with one people. So brands like those are helping in a way because like yeah. me, I'm like starting to get a little bit more interested about the subject, but you know, I don't have the education. So yeah. it's good to see the transparency in the, in the way, for instance, you create your outfit. I see that you dye your own, uh, outfits which is great we vegetable peels and minerals and uh, spices which is great so there's a lot of things that goes behind that sustainability brand so yeah. can you tell us more about about that aspect yeah I started delving into so like I have a lot of crazy ideas and I always go after all of them <laughs> for whatever reason it's great <laughs> I saw that you could die where did I even see it there's onion peel as well I was like you know what I will never look at an onion peel the same way now knowing <laughs> that it can dye my shirt yeah yeah it's it's funny it's there's actually so much science behind it too though and I'm like 
I mean, I'm not, I've never been a huge science person. I was more like artistic. So I had to do a lot of research and like had to like triple check all my information to be like, wait, how do I actually do this? But I think I probably saw it on Instagram or something. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like you got that color from, you know, an avocado pit. I think it started with an avocado pit. Um, where it makes kind of like a light pink. So then I started doing more research and like, oh, how can I get this color? And, and you know, there are a lot of things that go into it. Um, I wanted to be all natural. So I didn't want to use any chemicals because, you know, you the color has to stay on the fabric. And so for that, a lot of people will use chemicals to make it adhere to it. And, you know, those aren't, very good for the environment. So I went the all natural way and I used like minerals and salt and just things like hot water versus cold water to set it and everything. And, um, but for me, it was more, cause I, I wanted to get into the whole like crocheting thing. And for me, it was better to just have simple natural cotton that hadn't gone through the whole dyeing process in a factory and then just do it in small batches myself than to have it be done at a factory and buy it from them. Like that's just one little tiny piece that I'm like taking away from, from being bought. So that was my, my very small attempt at saving the world, I guess. No, I'm not trying to save the world, but um, yeah, it, it's actually a super interesting process and going on Instagram and kind of looking for other people doing the same thing. There's a lot of people who do natural dyeing and there's so many different techniques you can do and you can use like flowers and leaves to do actual prints. And, you know, you, the best materials are natural ones. So cotton, silk, um, wool, and linen. Um, so I use cotton. I yeah, I just use cotton for everything because that was just like the simplest for me. Um, can't really crochet with silk. So, and I'm not a huge fan of using like wool and leather and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see how like everyone's take on it though. Like everyone does it a little bit differently and it just, it's, I saw that there's a, couple of different people who do workshops so like you come it kind of like the paint and drink wine thing it's like come and die and drink and eat food and so it's turned into like a whole like date night kind of thing um I saw that they do that in the UK and in Australia I'm not sure where else but it's cool to see that there's a whole sustainable community out there it's just you kind of have to go like looking for it right so tell us more about money mommy so tell us more about your purpose. You uh, you do your outfits on your own. So you are like a one girl behind the brand. How is it? Yeah, so I, it's just me. <laughs> um, I have a tiny little studio <laughs> that I rent out. Um, I started it like most people in COVID times. Uh, it had been an idea in my head for years. Um, and I just never you know, in the back of my head, I was always like, oh, I'm not like technically trained and like, what if people don't like it? Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, the fears that everybody has about starting something, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I moved to Spain uh, three years ago and I changed a lot of things in my life. And so like, I just started gaining a lot more self-confidence in my skills in general. 
And <clears throat> so I just finally was like, you know what? I, I don't care that I don't know the technical ways to make things. Like people really like the stuff that I make and that's all that really matters. Like I know the general shape of a sleeve just from working for 15 years making sleeves. So if I don't know the like exact angles, if it fits well, like who cares? There's, you know, more than one way to do things. And so that like getting over that hurdle was very big for me to actually like go ahead and start Mani Mami. Um, so it all pretty much all started from me just upcycling clothing. Um, and then there are a couple of like larger pieces of fabric that I had where I could just make whatever out of it. I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't trapped into the silhouette of the clothing that I had already bought. Um, Cause with clothing, like I said before, you know, you have to, there's seams, there are things that are sewn together. So you, you're not dealing with a lot of fabric once you cut around that. Um, so that's kind of when I started transitioning to more just like curtains. Cause that's kind of like a bolt of fabric. I mean, it's just a big sheet. Right. <laughs> um, and I started, it's funny. The first shirt I ever posted was made out of my best friend's wedding dress. Cause I made oh. her wedding dress for her. And it was this sheer white, um, organza fabric that had like little white, uh, Swiss dots on it. And it was super pretty. And it was like a little cropped, it's called my Olga top and it's cropped and it has puffy sleeves and it has like a little ruffle collar. And that was the first thing I ever posted. And that is the most thing I have ever sold. Like I get so many orders for just that top, no matter how many new things I put out there, people just love it, which I think is funny because it's the first thing I ever sold. Um, but so then I started kind of, a lot of people asked me about that top. And they're like, is it going to come back? Is it going to come back? And I was like, well, I mean, everything's kind of one of a kind. So I don't really know how to bring it back for you. And that's when I started getting the idea of just doing made to order. And so I would do like a drop every month where I would, you know, make some stuff. But I mean, they were select sizes and select styles. And people just kept wanting more of the same thing. And so at a certain point, I was like, okay, I'm putting in all this time making these pieces that might or might sell when I know people want these certain silhouettes. So I'm just going to stop making, you know, the random pieces that I was and start doing made to order so that I'm wasting or I'm not wasting materials or my time. You know, it's more just when I get an order, I make it. That's that. So now that's pretty much all I do. Um, I do a lot of sweatshirts too, where I kind of like redo uh, secondhand sweatshirts and I make them into something new. A lot of people like those. So I'll do like a new collection on, um, on those for fall in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> it's just very, there she is. You, know, <laughs> you do homemade like as well. You have homemade, um, Project as well, I saw. Homemade. Yeah, I did. I did the home stuff for the summer. Um, I'm kind of taking a step back from that because it is so time consuming to do the natural dyeing and everything. Um, and I sold through all that stuff this summer. So it might come back next summer, but it was nice to kind of 
dive into something different, but you know, what really sells for me is the clothing and that's what I really love doing. So I'm kind of like going back to that and going back to just the made to order, um, pieces. It's just, you know, the fabric that I get is limited quantity because let's say it's two so curtain panels. Yeah. So once it's sold, it's sold. And then, um, I can't make anything more out of nothing that's there. <laughs> so I do struggle sometimes with people really wanting something in a certain fabric that's already gone. Um, I'll try to go out and look for something similar, but it doesn't always work out, unfortunately. But uh, being, I went to the United States this summer and I sold in person for the first time because that when I started, it, yeah, it was all Instagram and like my website. And, you know, I got, a pretty good customer base just from that and like from my friends and them telling other friends and stuff but actually being in person is a whole different whole different monster and you know it's kind of nerve-wracking being in front of a bunch of strangers and being like hey come buy my stuff <laughs> you know um but it was great for my confidence level honestly because you know I got a lot of support from people and I was in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is a very, um, you know, liberal kind of modern town. So it was kind of the perfect place. They're into sustainability. They have a decent amount of money. Um, like the average household makes good money in Charlottesville. So it was, it was a good place for me to be in general. I think it all just worked out in my favor and I got you know, a lot of really good reactions and seeing people being able to try stuff on was so cool to just see my clothes like on an actual person. I mean, I see pictures of it, but to see them in person and be like, oh my God, I love this. It's just, you know, it feels a lot different. Um, and then, so that was at the farmer's markets and then doing the pop-up at the boutique um, was also, it was just, it was really cool for people to come in and just get so excited about my stuff and for me to be able to tell them that it's all like made out of secondhand and recycled fabrics and then once they hear that they're like oh wait what like let me let me come look like what are you talking about so um and yeah, then I also I, I, I met yeah sorry 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 no sorry <laughs> I was like you're seizing the opportunity to educate them as well because you know online it might be like difficult to like break that barrier but how yeah. to see them like a one-to-one -one person it's it's like you're more connected to the person and maybe they will get the information more uh rapidly or easier yeah yeah it's it's hard on online and more specifically on instagram to really get all the information i want to in like a post because you know, people are just scrolling, they see something pretty, they like it, they keep moving. They don't necessarily open up the caption and read everything you've written about it. So that it, it's kind of hard to like grab people's attention. So it was really nice to be able to talk to people in person. Um, I even had this one customer bought a couple of dresses for me and she was just like super happy about it. And she actually reached out to me to ask me a question about another brand that she saw being like, you know, what do you think of this brand? Like, have you heard of them? They claim they're sustainable, but I don't know. The prices are super low. 
So it was cool to just be kind of like a resource for people. I'm not an expert, like whatsoever. <laughs> I told her that, but it's nice to just put in my, my two cents. Yeah. yeah. And even though I think even though I have knowledge about certain things, you know, I think a lot of people assume, oh, if I know this somewhat, like everyone else has to know it. And that's not the case. So this girl was asking me, you know, about this one brand because they use sustainable materials. And I was looking just from the very brief kind of screenshot that I saw of the website, you know, I could tell that they were made all in a factory. So then that goes back to, okay, where are they actually made? The prices are very low, so they're definitely mass produced. So even though they're claiming that they're made out of, you know, sustainable materials, that doesn't mean they're being made in a sustainable way. So if you really want to go like all in on a company, you you have to do your research and see, okay, where are they making these clothing? Like in what country and what are the working conditions like in that country? Because I was doing some research on Adidas. Mm-hmm. and they you know they came out with the this earlier this summer they came out with like the sustainable Stan Smith like the white sneaker with the green um all made out of sustainable materials very vague I was really confused about it and I was like but what is it made out of and I tried to ask the people at Adidas they didn't know like on the poster it didn't say anything So I went on their website and all it says is just, uh, it's a lot of vague language about being made out of, you know, recycled materials. And it doesn't say where the materials come from, how they're being recycled. And then when you actually look into where the products are made, they claim zero responsibility for what happens in their factories. And they put all of what, you know, Whatever happens in those factories is based on the laws and the regulations of that country. And that's it. So they claim zero legal responsibility for that. And that's just, I mean, big corporations, they just want to make money. I get it. But like, maybe choose a country where you know that, you know, this isn't such a big issue or bring it back to America and invest in, you know, making it in America in like a factory that is sustainable. Like, I mean, I don't have all the answers, but if you know that there are a lot of issues with third world country factories and their laws, you can't really get around, then like take it somewhere else or try to improve their laws, like get into the politics with it. I mean, that's just me dreaming over here, but it's just, it's something that people, kind of put a blind eye on like, oh yes, it's made out of sustainable materials, but how, like, who's making it? Who is making your clothes? Are they even- How much are they being paid? Exactly. Like the big monopolies and everything, they they do their clothing in countries where people are barely paid the minimum wage they should have. Yeah, and they end up working 18 hours a day every single day in these conditions that are just brutal and they're being locked in these rooms like if people were to actually see how their clothing was being made who it was being made by I do think that a lot of people would kind of like change their mind on fast fashion it's just I don't think that anyone is 
Yeah. It's, I mean, no one thinks about, oh, where does this shirt come from that I'm about to buy? Mm-hmm. You know, no one really thinks that deeply about most things, let alone something as frivolous as, you know, a cute top. So. A lack yeah. of transparency, definitely. Because I saw nowadays there are more and more like sustainable brands. You know, they have like a chart. So mm-hmm. where the outfit was created or produced, uh, I don't know, the, the quality of the fabric. So these are the things I think more and more brands should bring, like a transparency. So yeah. I think that's the thing that is lack, lacking. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of brands will never do that because they know yeah, <laughs> the quality of their stuff and where everything's being made is not, you know, it's not great. It's great for their bottom line, but it's, it's not great for people to actually see it. And I mean, I, I really wish I knew of more brands that were doing things the right way, but I just, I really have not been impressed with any brand that I've seen in their new sustainable like actions, you know, and a lot of people are claiming, oh, by this year, we will be blah, blah, blah. But what are you doing right this second to achieve that? Because, you know, it's all great when you say, oh, and however many years, you know, we're going to be carbon neutral or we're going to use only plant-based leathers or, you know, whatever, but no one's actually going to come check up on you in 10 years. And you know that. So it's like, are you just saying that to say that now to get more customers behind you, or are you actually making those changes? And I, I really haven't seen any one brand doing a stellar job doing that. So I don't know. So that's why, I mean, I just do my very small little part. <laughs> Which is a big loss. It all comes with little steps. Yes. It's, like, it's where changes come from. At least you're trying to do something for the yeah. environment. And I think it will, it will take its time to grow and grow. Step positive. Yeah. yeah, because it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm very excited in the trajectory of my, my brand. I think that as long as I just keep working hard, I, I, I really think it will be successful. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, baby steps, me just talking to that one customer that I met at the farmer's market and telling her, you know, you got to look at the factories too. Like, that's just one person I told, maybe she tells her friends like, oh, but you know, have you thought about doing a little more research into who you're buying from? Like, it's just, you know, like you said earlier, it's a ripple effect and reaching just one or two people for me is worth it in the end, like, because then that will continue to go on down the line. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for my future with Mani Mami. Um, I definitely want to look into doing even more sustainable practices. For example, all the like little pieces of fabric that, you know, get thrown away because they're too small to really do anything with. Like, I know that there's a way that I can do something with those. I just, I haven't figured out how. Pads, you know, they use yeah, I've, I've used, um, I've made some like reusable facings uh, and stuff like that, but it's, it's all, it's just like the small little bits too that are really like, they need to be shredded up and used in some sort of way. Um, I know that I believe it's Burberry burns what they don't use or something like that um, and they claim it's sustainable because then they reuse that energy from the burning 
I think that's insane because how much energy did it take you to burn the actual, like, it's just, it seems very bizarre to me. Um, but I uh, also seen out there on the world wide web. I don't even know where I saw it, but there are companies that will take what, like you just give them whatever fabric and they just shred it on up and they end up using the fibers. So like they really break it down very small. So um, that's that's on my to-do list to, to, to do a little more research into that because I really hate having a trash bag full of just tiny little pieces of fabric. And I mean, that's over the course of many, many months, but it's still, you know, still going into a landfill somewhere. So, you know, just doing small things like that to up my game a little bit more. And being sustainable, it doesn't always mean like the outfit itself. It's like the transportation, the packaging. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that goes into creating a sustainable brand. So yeah. how hard is it? How hard was it for you to create the brand? So, I've gone back and forth with the whole marketing part of it, especially being in the United States. It just, I mean, I'm from the US and I was very, you know, accustomed to just our culture in general and just being such a capitalistic throwaway culture. I didn't really think anything of it living there. And then I moved to Europe where there's just less of things, in my opinion. Um, I go into the grocery store, you know, there's five brands of toothpaste from me to choose from, I go into a grocery store in the United States and there's 50 and it's like way overwhelming. So I think going back to the United States after being gone for so long, I really, it was hard for me to be like, oh, well, how am I going to keep up with all these like other vendors at the farmer's market? They all have like flashy marketing and stuff. And it's like, okay, I don't need that. But you know, when you're trying to compete with other people, it, it's hard if you are just looking all granola and like, you don't like your brand stuff doesn't look cool. So I was kind of struggling with, you know, do I order marketing on paper or like, can I try to find stuff made out of recycled paper? And I had a really hard time finding anything like that. Or if it was, it was like triple the price. And so I ordered some business cards and um, some marketing like postcards where I just say, you know, like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. But I really try to use those like as little as possible. Um, I got a stamp instead of getting more paper so that I was just putting like, you know, my stamp on things, but I don't use tissue paper to wrap anything. Um, if I use anything, sometimes I'll just like put a little twine around it. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like sometimes people might think like, oh, like they'll like open a package and expect Something to see cute. like matching paper <laughs> with, you know, a little sticker and all this stuff. And it's just why you're going to throw it in the trash. So I don't do any of that. Um, and I, I really try to keep it as like minimalistic as possible. Even when I was at the farmer's market, um, I made my own goofy little sign that, that said like Mani Mami on it. And it was made out of all secondhand fabrics that I just sewed together. It didn't look, you know, as professional as maybe the people who got it printed out, but 
I really did not care. Like, at least they have the, the finished product. Yeah, exactly. And my whole thing is just using what's already there. So, and I've always been like that. Like I'm super resourceful. As a kid, I was always like grabbing little scraps and making little purses for people, which if I were to look back at the stitching now, I would probably be like, oh my God. But seven-year-old me loves to do that. So I think you said something very interesting. I just want to make beautiful clothes that make people feel special. You mm -hmm. said you said something like this on your Instagram and it's very nice. It's like that's the yeah, baby, right? I, I the best feedback I have gotten from anyone has been that they feel good in my clothing. And you know, starting off I like I said, like I really just started making stuff for myself and people would come up to me and be like, oh my God, I love that, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, oh, thanks, like I made it. And everyone would always be like, oh, like you should sell it, blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, but like, no, who's gonna buy this? Like, you know, whatever. And then when I did start selling things and I, I was nervous about when people actually got the product, how they would feel in it, if they loved it, you know, and whatnot. And I just got so many great reactions from people just saying that, oh, like whenever I go out and I wear my mommy, mommy piece, everyone always comments on it. Like I always get compliments. And I was walking down the street with one of my friends in Virginia and she was wearing a dress that I made. And I mean, she got stopped by like four people and I'm just being like, oh my God, I love your dress. And she was like, she made it. Like, thank you. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, going into it, I would love to say that, oh, my main, you know, purpose is to change the world to be sustainable fashion. You know, that's a very small part of it. I think that seeing everyone's reaction has made me realize that the main thing I want to do is to just make people feel confident. And if my clothing can help someone's self-esteem like that, done like that is amazing because why else are you wearing clothing yes for necessity but you know you want to look good and you want to feel good in what you're wearing whether or not you know it's your normal style or if you step outside of the box you know people get self-conscious sometimes about what they're wearing and for me to be able to make someone feel good is I mean it's just all worth it so Nice. And I saw that you're very inclusive. So Minimani is very inclusive with supporting the LGBTQ community. So tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my brother is actually the model for most of that. So my brother is like my best friend. He's two years older than me. And he came out when he was 18. And I mean, I saw firsthand how much struggle that was for him and again feeling old but this was back in 2009 and you know and even though that was only how many years ago is that math <laughs> what 12 years ago um it was still a very different time like you know we've come so far in the whole lgbtq I don't know all the letters, I'm awful about it. Um, like the whole community has come very far from even then. And I mean, my brother used to get called names. I would watch him get bullied. And like people in my high school 
would say things about gay people and I would like stand up for him and be like yo like (laughs) no that's my brother first of all so I think you know seeing it firsthand definitely made way more of an impact on me um if I didn't have that in my family you know I don't know how I would have seen it otherwise you know probably through friends and stuff but you know I saw all the negatives from it and it really just makes you think a lot more about it and you know he he's been with his partner now who is also black so he's white his partner is black and so he also has to deal like they have to deal with the interracial and the gay um like stigmas and the misconceptions of everything so just seeing them go through stuff is really you know I he's my brother I'll always support them but even if he wasn't my brother I would still support them like I have never you know been closed-minded on any of that stuff and and I love even when straight guys like do things outside of gender norms like paint their nails or you know wear a skirt or a dress like who cares women wear pants pants used to be only for men like why can't why can't a man wear a dress if he wants to so I I'm just really into all of that kind of breaking down gender norms I mean high heels used to be worn by royalty like they weren't just a woman thing at all and they used you know royalty used to wear purple and now purple is like a girly color like it's just but even blue and pink even blue and pink I think blue was a girl color and pink was a boy color. yeah yeah, it somehow got turned around and that's just another like I don't know how these things happen you know but they do and I just want to make people feel good like I said before and if that means that you know seeing my brother wearing a dress and makeup makes them feel better then terrific I've done my part and my brother loved it too he loved getting all glammed up and taking pictures <laughs> his, husband, his husband got really jealous his husband was out of town and he came back and he was like do my makeup and I was like all right go another photo shoot <laughs> nice uh, we have models <laughs> yeah yeah um, so yeah I will always support that community that's you know that's that's not an issue. And I would love to say that, you know, I can put money towards that. But right now, I, I mean, I'm very small. I don't have the finances to really support any of the, you know, big charities or like nonprofits or anything. But, you know, one day way in the future, when I have grown my brands a little bit, um, I, I will just always support them, that whole community. So I have a question. What does money money means? Um, it's kind of dorky. Um, <laughs> so Mani, my last name is Manning. Okay. So it kind of comes from that. Um, Mani is more of like a Spanish pronunciation. And then my partner, he, we call each other mommy and poppy. <laughs> Super dorky. So one day he just like put them together and was like, mommy, mommy. And I was like, cool. I like it done. Like, I don't like to think too much about things. So it is, it is a little hard for people to pronounce in the United States because, you know, I think a lot of people want to say Manny, Mammy, like they, like the A's are kind of weird. I mean, English is just, who knows when you look at a word, I feel so bad for foreign people. Cause when you look at a word, I, 
how do you know how to pronounce it? But um, it is Mani Mami. Um, and yeah, it's really just a mix of my names. That's nice, a mix of your names. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said uh, earlier, like you source your fabrics when it comes to uh, your fabrics. So where do you source your fabrics? Um, when, you're, when you have to create a collection, for instance, Mm -hmm. when there's something interesting that she said is like you people can pre-order outfits but my mm -hmm. question was like how do you know for instance how many fabrics you you need uh where do you source your fabric so how is that calculation um it's all kind of a guessing game like most of my life um I go to all secondhand stores. So when I was in the United States, I went to Goodwill um, and they actually had a lot of really great choices. I'm upset that we don't have Goodwills here, but um, here in Spain, there's a store called Umana. So that's kind of like the Goodwill. They're just on a smaller scale. And those are the stores that I go to. Unfortunately, I really haven't found any other secondhand stores other than that one chain. Um, I mean, there's some like vintage stores, but those are, you know, higher priced and they're not, you know, for my, my purposing, um, it just, it doesn't really fit very well. So I really only have the Umana stores as my option, but so those are the ones I go to here, Goodwill in the US. And, you know, I have to make sure the fabrics are in good conditions, obviously. Or I'll just, you know, if there's a stain, I'll cut it out. Or if there's a hole, I'll cut it out. Um, choosing the actual fabrics, I just kind of go with my gut. Um, I don't like to buy super heavy fabrics because I am sending them in the mail and weight is an issue when it comes to pricing with shipping. And I really, I mean, I don't really know how to describe how I choose them. I just see what I like and what I think people are going to buy. And I just buy that. But when it comes to quantities, it's very difficult. Um, especially since I have a lot more options right now, I started off with just, you know, a couple of shirts and like two dresses as my made to order options. And now I have, I just put like seven new ones on there. So <clears throat> I don't even know how many I have probably 10 to 12 made to order options. So then it's like, okay, which piece gets which fabric. So with that, I really just um, use my intuition on, okay, will this fabric lay better with this style or this style? And the thing that sucks though, is once I sell one dress in that fabric, I have to you know, delete it from the rest of the options because it will probably get used up with that one dress. Sometimes I'll have more like today, um, someone wanted a skirt in the same fabric that I just made a dress in. And <clears throat> I didn't think I was going to have enough, but I ended up having enough. So I was able to make with one tablecloth, a dress and a skirt. Um, so sometimes it works out like that. But again, once someone orders something, I have to go double check all the measurements and everything to make sure there will be enough to make something else. If not, then the fabric is sold out. So That's why I, I try to buy a lot of fabrics so that people have good options because I know once things start getting ordered, you know, there's a lot less options for people. So so when someone comes on your Instagram and they see like they want an outfit, so it's like there's a back and forth. Okay, that's my measurement. I want this, that way. So 
in a way you're creating like a bond with your customers as well. Yeah. So I do, there's certain silhouettes that you choose from. Um, and the sizes are just, you know, as is I do very, my general aesthetic is very, I don't want to say feminine because like I said, men can wear whatever they want to, but it is very flowy. Like I love ruffles, volume, like the puffy sleeves, um, like a tiny bit of drama, but it's not nothing tight. Like I'm not, that's just not my design aesthetic at all. So with my sizing, I kind of do like a two size in one, like people get a little bit confused by it. So one size will be extra small, small. The next one is small, medium. The next is medium, large. And then the next is large, extra large. And the only thing that really means is let's say you're a size medium and you don't know if you're a small, medium or a medium, large. A medium looks different on everybody. Like if you're six foot tall, a medium is going to be shorter on you than someone who's five foot tall. So the reason I kind of couple sizes together is just kind of based on your personal measurements. So if you have a small bust like me, you're probably going to be an extra small instead of the small medium. If you, you know, have a bigger midsection, but you have like really large breasts, you're are not going to be a small medium. You're probably going to be a medium large just, you know, because of that. So whenever people have questions, um, honestly, I can tell by looking at their pictures on Instagram. So, um, I'll ask for measurements too, just to make sure, but you know, I, I haven't had a lot of people question, um, about the sizing too terribly much, except for, you know, with plus sizes, I have done multiple plus size orders and that, I mean, it's the same thing. Just send me, send me their measurements and I, you know, make it for them. Or some people say like, I love this dress, but like, I want it shorter or longer. So I'm totally willing to, you know, custom, customize whatever, whatever they want within, you know, a certain scope, still my design. <laughs> I've also had people ask me to literally make other people's designs and it's just, you know, I'm not a seamstress. I am like a designer. Yes, I make the clothing, but I, I really don't feel comfortable trying to replicate someone else's design from a picture. Like, I don't know what's going on underneath. Like, I don't, the seams, I don't know what they did. Like, I have no idea. That's that person's work. I don't want to mess with it. So there have been a couple of people that I had to tell, you know, like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but no, I'm, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, but that's okay. They understand. The cookie dress is kind of a masterpiece, huh? <laughs> you yeah, are the, cookie, the cookie dress sold a lot this summer. Um, and it's funny because the dress, the, there's also the Bella dress, which is all sheer. And it's longer, it's tiered, it's got puffy sleeves. I don't know why I only sold a couple of those at first. So I wasn't really thinking that like it was going to be a big thing. And when I got to the United States, everyone wanted that dress. And I don't know if it's because, you know, I've seen a lot of influencers now wearing sheer things and <clears throat> like styles that are very similar to that dress I made. I mean, I made it, you know, over a year ago, but it's, I guess that style is kind of coming like trendy right now so maybe that's why more people want it but I was like Jesus I didn't even I didn't make it up and now I don't like I'm I was about to leave the United States and everyone wanted this dress so 
Um, I will be making more of those. I'm actually, the boutique that I did the pop-up shop in, um, I'm going to be doing like a permanent, I'm going to be having permanent clothing in there. Right. So right now, yeah, that's, yes, we yes. just talked about that like last week. Um, so right now I'm trying to make enough for, to have like, you know, a good, a good amount of clothing. Yeah. For people to buy and shop from, and I'm only doing three styles that sold really well. So again, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to try to sell anything that's <clears throat> not really going to sell. So my three main dresses, which it would have been the cookie dress, um, but that's more like summary. So I'm going to put a hold on that. But the Bella dress, the sheer one, and then the the top, the Olga top, the first one that I did with the puffy sleeves, those just sold out. So I'll be, the next couple of weeks, I will literally just be making the same thing over and over again <laughs> to send to the United States to sell. But I'm I'm very excited to, you know, have a permanent spot in a boutique. I feel like it's, you know, the next step and and I hope I can keep working in, in that fashion. You know, I love doing orders for people whenever they come in, but, you know, it's nice to kind of have a steady flow of, of work and like a little bit of security. Cause it is kind of just a guessing game. You know, I'm not, I'm not assured that people are going to always be buying my things or that they're always going to love the silhouettes that, you know, I drop. So it's nice to have something that's a little bit secure and to have like a landing space for people to be able to see myself in person if they really want to. So yeah, growing. Uh, I saw that you do vegan outfit as well. So is it mm -hmm. something you're considering more and more in the future? The ve you said vegan? Vegan outfits. I saw that you had like vegan outfits. So yeah, um, the thing with that, so those I believe were my crocheted pieces, the ones that were like 100% cotton, um, because I did have a couple pieces that were made of wool that had been discontinued. Um, but I felt kind of weird using the wool. I, I mean, I'm not vegan, I'm vegetarian personally. Vegetarian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was vegetarian first, and then I and then I just started seeing like little like their faces. Oh. I would look down at my plate and I was like I can't do it I'm, anymore I'm considering like little by little I've been like pescatarian for more than seven years now so I'm like yeah. you know little baby steps so yeah exactly yeah one day maybe I will be vegan but for right now I'm, I'm vegetarian but you know I um last Christmas I got a pair of vegan tennis shoes and you know I, I think it's a lot of people don't think they think that leather is like high-end and luxury and like made to like last. But if you think about it, like that's an animal, <laughs> that's literally an animal skin that you're just yeah. carrying around with you. And, um, you know, they're making a lot of strides in, first of all, just vegetarian food in general, like making it as meat-like as possible. And they're also doing the same with clothing, like, you know, making very good leather substitutions and, using things like corn husks and uh, like bamboo. And I don't even know what my shoes are made of. A lot of very random natural things that I didn't think you could make tennis shoes out of. Um, so I, I mean, I like to stay away from using any kind of wool or any sort of animal products. Um, 
at all. I don't really use leather. Um, it's just, it's hard when you are sourcing secondhand fabrics because a lot of times the, the tags will be ripped off that, you know, say what percentage the fabric is made out of, like what and what. There've been a couple of times when I've seen it and it's like cotton and linen. Okay, cool. But a lot of the time, you know, I can generally tell what a fabric is made out of, but I'm not a fabric psychic. Like I don't know 100% what this thing is made out of. So um, I just try to stay away from really the wools as much as I can. Um, and that is something that <clears throat> is always gonna be within my clothing. Like I will just always try to stay away from that to be as vegan as possible. Um, and moving forward, you know, it, it's really just up to me and what I find. Cause I'm not going out and buying new fabrics or like buying leather alternatives to make new things. Cause that also defeats my whole purpose of using what already is out there. I don't want to buy something brand new. Um, so yeah, kind of inherently, I already am, you know, kind of a vegan brand. I just have to be careful with what I find if I don't know what the fabric is made out of, you know? Yeah. If someone is listening to you, so they want to create like a sustainable brand, what would be the mm -hmm. best advice you've learned throughout the journey? Ooh, um, I would say just follow your gut and your instincts and try not to listen to other people. Um, that might sound weird because I'm literally giving advice and telling you not to listen to me. No, but... <laughs> Like not so much that as, you know, don't listen to other people when they try to put their opinions about what you already know how to do in your mind. So I actually tried to start a brand many years ago. Um, I did not get the support I needed from my partner. It was just, you know, a bad situation. And he just was constantly telling me like, no, you need to do it this way. No, you should do this. You'll sell more doing this. And it was just, you know, not what I wanted as a brand. Like, it's not what I saw. It's not, it wasn't anything to do with what I had in my head is what I wanted. And I really just kind of got in my own head and, you know, I wasn't really set up for success at all. And, you know, even this time around with starting Mani Mommy, I've had people be like, you know, oh, you should get this person to wear it and promote. And I'm like, that person doesn't fit my aesthetic. You know, that person, yeah, she might have a lot of followers on Instagram, but does she care about the environment? I don't think so. Like she doesn't fit with my brand style at all. So it's really just listening to your own intuition and, and sticking to what you believe in would be my best advice. And just trying, even if you don't have like a lot of self-confidence, just fake it till you make it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I have a lot more confidence in my brand and my skills now. And that's mainly from getting so much great feedback from people. <clears throat> um, if I had waited until I, you know, got more assurance from people, you know, I, I would, I wouldn't have even started yet. So really just trying to, to trust your own skills and your instincts and listen to yourself, I think would be the best advice because in the end, you're, you're your own number one supporter. You know, no one is going to love your brand as much as you do and you know what you want to do. So just, you know, follow that. Yeah. Sometimes you can battle with like, you know, the imposter syndrome. Am I good yeah. enough? So yeah you have to like keep up yeah and there's I mean if you do start feeling that way I feel like that all the time sometimes I'll be like you know why am I even doing this and other times I'm like I love my job so it 
there are a lot of people I've met amazing people on Instagram, just other small businesses that most of them woman owned that, you know, we all just kind of support each other and like hype each other up. And, you know, one of us will post something about how like we just really weren't feeling it today. And then, you know, someone will comment and be like, Oh, you got, you know, it's just, there's a very supportive small business, woman owned business group out there. You just have to like, you know, find the nice people. <laughs> great thank you so finally where can people find you um on instagram at mani mommy underscore ttrr um also my website is mani mommy dash ttrr.com um or you can email me um it's all pretty much through instagram i would say is the best way to find me um because i am an online business but now people are going to be able to shop in store at um, Darling Boutique in Charlottesville, Virginia, which I know obviously not everyone is in Charlottesville, Virginia, but it will be hopefully growing into to more boutiques. So we'll see. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carmen. It was a pleasure yeah. studying with you. I was so happy. Uh, and yeah, and I'm very grateful. I've learned a lot. So I hope that people who are listening might come and ask you for some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me and just inviting me even to talk about this. This has been cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for staying till the end of our little conversation with Carmen. I really hope that it will inspire you in some ways to maybe shift the way you consume and buy your clothing. And I really hope that it will help you to think more ethically to have the conscious effort to support local sustainable brands. If you've enjoyed that episode, please let us know on our IG at podcast. Let's connect together, share your thoughts, share your feedbacks. And also please have a look at Carmen. Her IG is manimami underscore ttrr. She shares some amazing behind the scenes of having a sustainable brand. You will see the effort, the hard work behind behind a brand. And I hope, I hope that you will take a lot from our conversation and start implementing some good actions. Thank you so much and see you on the next episode.